All right, welcome back to Behind the Usher Station. Uh, this is our podcast. We're on episode 22. I am Jonathan. I'm Jerome. I'm Alex. <laughs> and we are your hosts for today. Um, we're still in this format uh, while we're we all are. still in quarantine. So exactly. Because Jerome's sick. I, I, I do have a little bit of congestion in the chest. Uh, so, you know, got the Vicks Vapor Rub on it right now. And it, You're supposed to put some on the bottom of your feet. I, some I, Sprite and chamomile tea and you'll be fine. Yeah, it is breaking up right now. I have stopped coughing uh, more frequently, so it is working. But it's one of those things where I'm like, man, it's going to take me a minute to get back up to 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, today, you know, we thought we'd do a fun little topic um, where we would let you guys know some of our favorite movie facts that you may have not known before. You know, behind the Usher station, we always love fun movie trivia along with watching fun movies. So we thought we'd uh, let you guys know some of the fun movie facts that we just happen to know. Um, so does anybody have one that they want to start off with? I want to start off with Alien. That's, those are the ones I know like by heart because they're some okay. of my favorite movie facts. Um, Firstly, the one I definitely always know is that, well, first of all, have you either of you seen Alien? Yeah. It's been a long time. Uh, so Alien uh, was, uh, everyone knows the iconic, like, first chestburster scene when they're all sitting around dinner mm -hmm. and, uh, and the chestburster comes out. What a lot of people don't know is that uh, Ridley Scott, when he was making the movie, he didn't want people to, like, know that it was um or, or they he wanted the actors to have a more genuine reaction to the chest first they're coming out of the chest so uh he ended up um just like telling just john hurt who was the you know played the character who the chest person came out of uh what was actually going to happen and for the rest of the actors he like he showed them the puppet and he told them like something was going to come out of their chest but they didn't know what it looked like or how it was going to come out like the fact that it was going to be that visceral and brutal and have gore everywhere and stuff and so when you see them in the movie and they're like freaked out when they see like the the chest burster come out that is like legit fear in their hot in their eyes which is um, like fair when something just happens mm -hmm. ripping out your front stomach there are so many scenes like uh your one of your favorite movies uh alex the martian uh, in that scene, in uh, that movie, that's another one where Ridley Scott did a surprise thing where uh, there's that scene where Donald Glover is running to like get to his console and he falls. Yeah. <laughs> that was a complete accident. What happens is he has a spit take into that trash can, but he missed the trash can and spit on the floor. So the floor was slick. And so he was supposed to just, just run off, no problem. But instead when like they said action and he immediately ran off at top speed and tripped and fell and slipped in it and got up so fast. It was like, I'm okay. And then he just walked off. And so really Scott used that scene, <laughs> used that cut in the actual movie. I always like that when it's, you know, a happy accident. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, actually going off the Martian, which again is my favorite movie. There was, um, a scene, the scene where Matt Damon is listening to the communication of the Commander Lewis's voice to get a better feel. Uh, all that voice was actually pre-recorded, and all the actors had gone home. Like pretty much, the set was clear so that Matt Damon could get a better feel of what it was 
pretty much like to just be completely alone for two years because it was after uh, everything where he could finally hear her voice again. And so it was really interesting to know that they pretty much abandoned him on set so that they could get more of a genuine feel. Mm. I would say another star, another alien fact, and this is more for you, Alex. Did you know that Alien wouldn't have gotten made if not for Star Wars? <laughs> so the rumor is. Oh look! Now everybody can see me flipping off the room. <laughs> the rumor you guys is are really part of it. Now. What they said was they had a hard time selling. Which this is back when the script was called Star Beast. Which thank God they changed the title to Alien. Um, but originally it was called Star Beast, and they were trying to sell it. And they uh, brought it to some producer who worked with Fox and Fox wouldn't go for it for years until when Star Wars came out and was like box office gold. Every studio was trying to get like their next big sci-fi movie and they just so happened to have the alien script on hand. And so then they decided to make it right after that. It got greenlit. Well, I mean, I think sci-fi movies, people don't realize that sci-fi movies are really big blockbusters like odyssey you know 2001 2001 space odyssey which i have a fact about that um the director actually destroyed a lot of the prets the props and sets because he didn't want his um movie set or his props to be used in a lesser sci-fi film that sounds like stanley kubrick that sounds like something yeah because it was a lot of like you know people had to reuse a lot of props and you're like oh yeah that's from that movie that's from that movie like um i do know that the dress in the other boleyn that is worn by oh what is her name well which one is it scarlett johansson or the other one uh ah, she's also famous and i can't remember her name yeah yeah, like I know her name. She was in Star Wars. Oh, Natalie Why don't Portman? you know her name? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as you that said that, that answered the question. Um, Natalie Portman is one of the. She yeah, was in the, Star Wars. Why don't you know her name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're gonna bring in Star Wars. I'll oh no, I did know her name from Star Wars. I don't remember her from the other Bolinga. Um, <laughs> anyway, she wore a green dress that was used in the show Torridors, that was worn uh, by the character who played Mary Torridor. And then it was also seen in like the Wolf Hall, which was another tour door show. So it was used, and like people had pointed out when it was using uh, character wardrobe. So in the Space Odyssey, he didn't want that done to his, you know, to his props, which I think, I know it's kind of an a hole move, but I kind of like it. That he like, I mean, was like, this is going to be my set, my set solely. Like when you see something, it's going to be like, oh, that's Space Odyssey. It's no different than uh, there's a comic book series called um, The Sandman that's written by Neil Gaiman. And uh, it was for DC. It is part of the DC universe, you know, but it's so far removed. It's like this almost otherworldly side of the DC universe. That's all Neil Gaiman's. He wrote the original series. He made all the original characters. And um, when he now, granted, I think currently they're making stories within the universe. But as far as the Sandman characters, he asked them after he was done with the series, because it was weekly um, released uh, series. He asked them to not do anything with those characters going forward. And nobody did for years. I think this is the first time at least as far as I can remember, that they're now, and not even really dealing with the characters, but they're just dealing with the universe of the Sandman in that realm. 
a little bit. So I think it, it, there is something to a creator being like, hey, don't touch my stuff. Like, I made these, these things and to be told a certain way, used a certain way, and I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't do that. Because on the opposite side, then you get stuff like Watchmen, where Watchmen was supposed to be the same way, and DC was like, yeah, but you know, I mean, we'll, we'll, yeah, sure, we'll totally do that. And then years have gone by where they've consistently undermined Alan Moore's wishes and have tried to commercialize it, made a movie, now made a TV show. It's just... Uh, speaking of Neil Gaiman, uh, his Good Omen show, love, love that show. I love the book. And I had read it so many years ago, and I was like, I want to reread it. And as I was rereading it, I saw that the show was being made. I was like, that's fantastic. And then I learned that it had David Tennant and Michael Sheen in it. I was like, oh, well, now this is just my favorite show. I don't care if it's good or not. It's just going to be an obsession, which it is. Um, but there's a scene in the book, and they actually asked Neil Gaiman, uh, you know, should we do the scene the way it was, which is basically the bookstore burning down. And Aziraphale, the angel, he owns the bookstore. And it's a big moment for Crowley because that's him losing his closest friend. And they asked him, like, hey, do we really have to do it? Um, and he thought about his friend. Oh, my goodness. I'm blanking on the name. The other writer. He passed away, too. <clears throat> um, he thought about his friend. Let me look that up real quick. Because he thought about his friend and, like, what his friend would say. Like, oh, yeah, it's cheaper not to burn down the a fake bookstore it's cheaper to do this but visually it was necessary it was needed absolutely uh for the book you know mm -hmm. terry pratchett terry pratchett passed away and he thought about his friend and he's in his head he heard his friend basically say yeah it's cheaper but it's gonna look like crap and that's what i absolutely love about neil gaiman too like he thought about his friend and he's like if he was alive, he would hate me for this. So no, we can't do it. Which I think is a great way to help keep the original stuff. Because what would your friend say to you? And if he's like, <laughs> it's crap, well, he's got a point. Even if it's just in your head. But what about you, Jonathan? What you, You've been letting us chat. What fascinating topic do you have to talk about? Um, well, mine, you know, they're, they're based on... Um, more of the classics, uh, and these might be things that people already know, but they're still interesting. And if you don't know, you should know these facts. Um, so The Wizard of Oz, obviously a classic, um, but did you know that for the snow, asbestos was used? I actually did know that. Mm -hmm. Did you know that Toto actually got paid more, the dog, than the munchkins did? I believe that. <laughs> he got paid, um, I think I have that information for He got paid like almost $2,000 more a day than the Munchkin said. And I was like, that is really not being cool. Um, also, uh, on The Wizard of Oz, uh, the Tin Man, I, I believe his name is uh, Jack Haley. Um, that is not the original Tin Man who was supposed to be in that role. Um, his name was... Uh, he ended up, actually the original Tin Man ended up playing the Scarecrow or the Cowardly Lion, right? 
which oh um so his name was uh epson i i don't know his first name but um, his last name was epson and he actually suffered a reaction from the makeup that they used for the tin man and he had mm. to go to the hospital because it had so, lead in it yeah so um immediately they had to replace him with jack haley who is the tin man that we all know um that they used in the movie do you know that they um they say like there's this rumor but it i it's been debunked now but they say um the you know, hanging no um okay i thought you were but that's that's also a thing uh no i i was gonna say you guys know the pink floyd album dark side of the moon mm-hmm. yeah there is rumor like there was for a long time people believed that if you played that album uh essentially over like replacing the audio for um the wizard of oz that it would play side by side and that album would essentially narrate the movie it doesn't because i've someone made a cut of it on youtube that's just the album with the movie but the problem is first of all the movie's longer than the album and secondly uh some song like the the some songs just don't line up i think the only one like for example the uh, as soon as dorothy gets to munchkin land money starts playing and nothing money related happens during that scene <laughs> well i mean the streets are now gold you know the golden the yellow brick road it's kind of like gold i guess but there's uh, it doesn't quite line up but it's called dark side of the rainbow was the was the dubbed title for like if you wanted to if you played dark side of the moon with wizard of oz um so it was okay it was like it, I, I will say some parts do line up like the tour i forget what songs playing during the tornado but uh that song matches perfectly like when she's in the tornado and she's seeing her house get sweeped up and everything mm-hmm. uh, okay. um when i went to la recently um I stayed at uh, the Culver Hotel. One more time. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, I stayed at the Culver Hotel, which is the hotel that um, the cast of Wizard of Oz um, actually stayed at. It's like a historic hotel. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, I thought there was more to that. I thought you asked your last (laughs) question. Um, another fact from one of my other, uh, another movie I enjoy uh, is uh, Django Unchained. Um, in that movie, there's that scene where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has his rant or whatever about, uh, uh, essentially a racist rant about how he has the right to own um, Kerry Washington's character to both Jamie Foxx and Christoph Waltz, uh, Django and, and Dr. Schultz. And uh, in that scene, there's a moment where he slams his hand on the table to get everyone's attention and you can hear a glass chatter and then his hand is bleeding and so he you know wipes the blood on Carrie Washington to like ex like um sell his point even further and he just wipes it all over her face he's like she's my property yeah and uh what I didn't know at the time was that that was completely improv well at least the like he was very because I think the the um the dialogue, I think, was in the script, but the way he delivered it was completely ramped up because he was just running off adrenaline because he actually cut his hand. And so the blood he wipes on Kerry Washington's face is actual blood. I think that speaks more to Kerry Washington's acting 
because she was able to sit there. Well, he's rubbing blood. They all face. sat there, and uh, reportedly, I think they said like the reason they all sat there like shocked is because they were all like terrified. They're like, "There's Leo. There's no one gonna say cut because he's his, he's hurt right now. I guess we're still in it." <laughs> so we don't, So I think a lot of them just didn't know what to do because he was just in it. He's just in the mode, <laughs> and they say like after after uh, Quentin Tarantino said cut, like they all gave him an applause because it was like a great scene. But he just walked to his trailer and like wouldn't talk to anybody for like a few minutes because he had to just like come down off this adrenaline high he was running on. <laughs> but I was like, man, if if I was an actor, I couldn't do it. I don't know if I could hold myself together. <laughs> I don't know. I've injured myself so much, like I don't even notice it anymore. Until somebody's like, Alex, you're bleeding. I'm like, oh, would you look at that? Jonathan, do you think you you think you can do it, Jonathan? You're an actor. Do you think you'd ever have a moment where you could just be running off? Yeah, but I'm not Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) Yeah, but like, do you think you ever have these like moments where you're just you don't realize how far you've gotten into your character? I mean, I couldn't see myself as. And granted, I don't know if. Leonardo DiCaprio is like a method actor, but I I couldn't see myself as a method actor. Watch like five years down the line, I'm like talking <laughs> British accents and I'm on this podcast being like, oh. I have to stay in character. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think there's definitely been times when I've been, you know, in it so much that, um, like it takes an emotional toll on you or your mm-hmm. body. So I I've only had one experience like that where I was an act uh in acting class at the Art Institute and um we had to do monologues. Uh we did a whole section on monologues and I did a I did the monologue from Fences, uh the one where uh uh the father character whose name I can't remember right now. Um where he basically the whole speech about like why I don't have to like you when he's talking to his son. Oh. And uh and it's a it's an intense scene. And I, you know, as a person who's often very um jovial and uh you know, jokes a lot and stuff, I wanted to do something that challenged me and play a character who's like basically the complete opposite of who I am as a person. So I chose that mono that's why I chose that monologue. And so when I was performing it. Uh, my partner, who's a friend of mine, uh, Sabrina, who's, she was really great as a acting partner. Uh, she played the role of the son and she just did a, such a good job of playing this like defeated young person, even though I'm like pretending like I'm talking to my son, like it was, you know, and she's a woman, it's the same difference. And uh, I remember I got into it and I started doing the scene and I had already memorized my lines. So I was like in it and I had an out of body experience where like my, like in my, in the front forward of my mind, I'm like, no, I'm angry right now. I'm an angry father. I don't have to like you, yada, yada, yada. But in like the back of my head, I'm just like, this poor girl, she's so sad. (laughs) She looks so defeated and I'm just getting in her face and grilling her. And it was like, it was like being of two minds. I think I do that with my writing sometimes where mm-hmm. I'm writing something and all of a sudden I don't even realize it when I'm putting my characters through hardship. I start, I actually start crying and then I'm like, whoa, I'm sad. <laughs> yep. My teacher said she was like, I, uh, while you're performing, like 
I did not see Jerome up there on that stage. Like you were really in it. And I was like, it was scary. Like I had to cool down for like a few minutes to, to get to uh, collect myself. You get attached. Mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised you don't really do method acting, Jonathan, because I've seen you and you do really get into your characters, especially um, such, I don't want to say sour, uh, sorrowful, sad one. I'm not going to try to say the other one. Um, because you, when you, I've seen you in sad plays, it really can hit home. So I'm a little surprised that like you aren't so much a method actor. Because when you're more in like um, the sadder plays or the more serious plays, you do really uh, connect with those characters. Thank you. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I think it's every, it's different for every person. Um, whereas some people, you know, feel like if they, especially with movies, if you do a scene for like a minute, and then you're cut, and then you have all this downtime where you're just sitting and, and waiting around, then you feel like you might not be as invested in the character um, as you would be if you were that character the entire time. For me, I'm like, the, the second if anything stops, the second the director says cut, the, the second uh, whoever says, okay, we're stopping this, I'm like, Okay, we're done with that. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> For me, I use, I use uh, uh, buzzwords in my own head to help, like, because I just did a short film in February. Uh, even though I was playing an extra, like, you know, in the back, in the back of my head, that character still had, because uh, I was just playing a bartender who was in a bar during a bar brawl. So, but even then, like, it, I already, I, in my own mind, established, like, what that character's feeling like while those motions are happening. And so when the director says cut, cause there'd be a lot of just downtime, I would just memorize like what, what uh, like I would just make buzzwords of like what that character's feeling at that time to just remind, just, just keep in my head and keep in memory. So if we go back to that scene or they're like, okay, well this is like right after that or whatever, I can just be like, okay, this person is scared. They're uh, feeling helpless. Or feeling alone. Okay, let me get back into that, and it, that helps me personally. Like, remember how to like get back into that mode without having to stay in character twenty four seven the whole damn on set. Speaking of, uh, do you have a, did you did you have a did you know? Um, yes. Did you know that in West Side Story, Maria? had a death scene in the movie that they cut out. That I didn't know. Yeah. Surprising with how much. I don't know how they killed her off in this <laughs> scene, but yeah, she, she had a death scene that they took out of the movie. Well, I've never seen it in the play either. Or did the play come after the movie? Um, I don't know. Let me look that up. Um, well, I want to say it was a, a musical first and then a movie. Yeah. Well, sticking with the classics, um, the Godfather, you know, the first scene, the opening scene where he's stroking the cat. Mm-hmm. That was just a stray they found on the lot of Paramount. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't originally, uh, that wasn't originally in the scene. But then as he was apparently, as Brand, as Marlo Brandon, if nobody knows, 
like The Godfather, which I'm surprised me if you're listening to any. Oh no, yeah, like at least I know that Marlon. Yeah, Brando. well, no, I'm saying for anybody who's listening to our podcast, if you don't know, that's. Oh yeah, if you don't know Marlon Brando. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, some of his lines actually had to be looped or like redone because the because as he was putting the cat's purring got so loud and in his uh, audio. But he didn't want to put the cat down because he's like, no, it's relaxing. And they're mm. just petting it. So they're like, well, you then have to do the audio later because the cat's purring is getting in the way. I don't know what happens to the cat afterwards. But yeah, Marlo Brandon just found the cat and he's like, I'm going to take it into the set with me. I find this random kitty just walking around the set. Which I think is adorable. I know a couple psycho, like there's one psycho one I found out in doing this. About the blood? No, but yes. Okay. If you want to do the blood one, I know another one. That's okay. different. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, uh, the one I found that I was like surprised in is apparently the first American movie to show a toilet flushing was Psycho. Yeah, and now for Hitchcock. I didn't know that. I was like, that's weird. No one's ever shown a toilet just going just flushing just like, it was considered inappropriate right and i was like that's interesting <laughs> that movie that movie in general like i feel like broke a lot of barriers for the time that it was because it was released in what 60 like it, one, 1960 yeah. like 1960 perfect that's like on the start of that decade and it's in black and white and i feel like it broke a lot of because like the first thing like they're the couple's like getting out of bed the guy has his shirt off and like she has her bra on and like, you can tell they clearly just, like, did something. <laughs> you know, Alfred Hitchcock, that actually, uh, they were not going to have that scene. Uh, and the FCC was really on his ass about it. And mm -hmm. then he invited him. He's like, well, we shot the scene. We can redo another scene. If you guys want to come to the set, dictate it. Tell me, basically, tell all the actors how to do their jobs. He's like, we want you to be, the, the people who were working with him in the FCC kind of got embarrassed about this, about going to a movie, because they're usually behind, you know, the director and being like, hey, you can't do this. And he straight up was like, no, I want you to come to the set and I want you to tell the actors that they're doing their job wrong. And the FCC got so embarrassed that the day they were supposed to show up, they never showed up. And he's like, all right, let's move on to the next scene. They like had waited like an hour or something and they're like, the agents aren't showing up. And they kind of gave them, like, since he kind of pulled that crap with the FCC, that kind of gave him the opportunity to get a little more free range. Like, with the toilet, like, with the shower scene showed way more than it was in that time. And even the violence from that time was a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, like, speaking of the shower scene, the one that I was going to mention was that the blood in the shower scene was actually chocolate sauce. Because yeah. it yeah, it showed up better on camera in black and white than it would had they used like ketchup or some other red. Right. I think chocolate syrup also has a better consistency. Mm. It does, because I've used fake blood and it sucks. <laughs> Did you know, and this is going to make me sound like a psychopath, and I understand that. Well, we're talking but, about psycho right now, so. Well, that's true. Um, you can actually make a meringue out of blood. Blood has the same consistency as egg whites, and if you actually whip blood hard enough, you can make it into a fluffy uh, meringue. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Just you know, your blood can be made into meringue. <laughs> I was also gonna mention like uh, 
the king of just forever like well actually the king of just missed opportunities as far as acting roles goes is um uh sean connery but uh the person i was gonna mention was will smith who turned down the matrix he was supposed to be neo he was gonna be the one and he instead turned it down for wild wild west of all movies Ooh, that was <laughs> Although I think Keanu Reeves is what made the movie. I mean, Keanu Reeves is great. Um, it's true. You can't. It's one of those things where knowing that on one hand you like Will Smith, but on the other hand you can't see anyone else but Keanu Reeves in that role. Now, right. well, did you know with Keanu Reeves in John Wick Two, he did about ninety-five percent of the fight scenes himself. That was all mm-hmm. him, and that he actually trained in judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, marksmanship, and driving. So this man Mm -hmm. really learned his skills for this movie. There's a couple behind the scenes where you can see him driving the cars. It's great. I love Keanu Reeves. Like, I absolutely love that man. I don't know why. His life is so sad. Well, it is. (laughs) Sad Keanu. But I just think about what's funny, too, is that the fact that Will Smith turned down The Matrix is really funny when you think about the fact that his wife plays – Played in the the sequel of the Matrix and the movie after. I was talking about that. There was a, um, in the movie Bad Moms. I had went with Kaylee and Lauren, and she was in that movie. Uh, Will Smith's wife, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Yep. And I didn't recognize her, and I was like staring at her. And finally, I think it, I want to say it was Lauren was like, "Is that Jada Pinkett Smith?" And I'm like, I have been staring at her intensely. <laughs> To figure out who she looks nothing like who she, and I think it's because her hair is so, I think it's really, really short in the film or something. And she's I'll, like a background like, character. She's not really important. She really is. She's the, you know, the henchman to the evil one, mm-hmm. to the bad guy. But yeah. it's, it's one of those things. And I think they also said that rumored that when Will Smith turned down the role, Jada Pinkett Smith understood it and she was like why would you say no to that don't you get it it's like a sci-fi story it's really cool but it's these overtones about control and not being in control of your life and will smith's like i just and will smith has since then backed that up uh on his youtube channel i think either this year or last year where he said like everyone gives me crap about doing wild wild west over um the matrix but the truth is is that y'all just don't know how it was pitched to me and so you ran down that basically the Wachowskis didn't do a good job pitching it to him to be in the role. But I, I think it's just like, I, I, I agree more. I think it's more the, the uh, former where it's just, he just didn't get it. He didn't get the concept. He didn't understand how it was. Cause was he was also before after men in black. It was, I want to say before men so in black. No, I feel like, let me see. I'll look it up. But also, I feel like that also plays a role into maybe either why he didn't pick it or to why he chose Men in Black. But you know, like, because Will Smith is the king of not taking roles because he also turned down Django Unchained as well. I don't know what movie he he would have been instead. Well, because he said, because I was watching a a Hollywood Reporter roundtable discussion where he talked about it because Sam Jackson was there at the same time as Will Smith, and Will Smith was saying. Um, like uh, Sam Jackson was talking about Django and Will Smith was saying that he turned it down because he didn't like that it was a revenge story and he wanted it to be more of like a a love story where it's Django trying to get back his woman not trying like and not just killing white people 
Yeah. Sorry, y'all cut out a little bit. You're fine. Um, you like jumped screen a little bit. It was crazy. <laughs> Oh. Um, but uh, Wawa West came out, but I mean, uh, Men in Black came out before The Matrix too, yeah. Right, so I think that might be another reason he didn't want to do The Matrix, because like, some actors get typecast, you know, and he might have been, you know, the one black guy in every sci-fi film. That's true. So it's really easy, especially when you're a person of color, to get stuck in certain realms and genres and things like that. And I think in a way, yeah, it, it was... Not great that he dropped the Matrix, but another way, this way he's not typecast. You know, Will Smith does have range. He can go to different scenes and he can play different characters. Um, and this way he wasn't really stuck in one role, one genre. Mm. Jonathan, I have a did you know for you. Yes. Uh, the cornfield in Interstellar. I was actually looking at that fact earlier. It was also made, it was also used in The Man of Steel. Really? Okay. Yeah, I saw they, a different cornfield fact. Yeah, no, they, they made it for that movie, Five Acres. They sold it off, but then they realized they could use it again for Man of Steel. And they used it for Man of Steel because it was Chris Nolan. Christopher yep. Nolan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he was like, let me use it for Man of Steel. And then they, again, so they did nothing but grow corn and have made a profit out of it for two movies. And they sold it for private property. Wow. And they created, you know, more food. So, interesting. Five acres is huge. I have one for you, Alex. Well, and, and Jonathan, I don't know if you also saw it, but I know Alex, you saw Mamma Mia too. Like I here did. we go again. Um, I saw the end sequence. In, uh, I was looking up, and on the, uh, apparently, like I found it on BuzzFeed, so I don't know how true it is, but apparently, Cher was never asked to be in that movie. She was just told by the universal, by the head of Universal, that hey, Cher, you're gonna be in our movie, <laughs> and that is so weird. It says here, it says Cher said, "My old agent, who's one of my dearest friends, became the head of Universal. He called me and said, Cher, you're doing Mamma Mia,' and he hung up." <laughs> I think that I I could believe that occurred because there's oh, what was that movie? Oh, uh, which actor from, it was one of the Avengers movies where they literally called him up and they're like, do you want to do this? And he's like, uh, is it this character? Oh, okay. He, I think he played a villain in one of the Marvel movies. And he's like, am I going to be playing this character? And they're like, let me see. And he's like, no, no, I'll just, I'll do it. And it was just like as simple as that. They were trying to keep everything so secret. And he's like, am I playing this character? And they're like, yeah. He's, they're like, we're not sure. He's like, no, I am. All right. Okay, fine. Was it, was it Thanos? I think it might have been Thanos. Or I think it was Lee Pace. Oh, then that was Ronan. I think it was either Thanos or Lee Pace. Um, I'm going to have to relook that up. And I just remember that interview where they're like, oh, do you want to be in this movie? And he's like, what character, what movie? They're like, we're not allowed to tell you that. He's like, is it this movie? Am I playing this character? Um, well, along that line, like Tom Holland, he found out that he got the role of Spider-Man through social media because <laughs> he was auditioning for like months and then um, he hadn't heard back in a long time, like months and months. He hadn't heard anything back. So he assumed that he didn't get the role. And then he said his friend called or texted him saying go to this website and then he went to the website and it was there 
and it's, it was announced that he got the role. Man. That's crazy that some people are, are just, that's the way it works for them because everything is so secret, even to them. Mm-hmm. It's just like, um, <laughs> I'd like to be, be working this way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends. Cause like for, you know, I think, I think the secretive, especially with the Marvel universe, uh, uh, when it was coming up time to do like infinity war and stuff, it did get a little ridiculous. Um, the secrecy, around like with the cast and with the characters um in fact uh one person who almost lost his job behind secrecy was uh the i forget his name right now but the actor who was like in star wars the actor who plays oh, john boyega he lost his script no uh i was gonna say like original star wars original oh. trilogy um, the guy happened recently. John Boyega, he lost. He like left his. John Boyega, he kept talk. He kept sharing secrets. First person <laughs> he knew he got the job was like a cabbie driver in London, who like he's like I'm gonna be in Star Wars, and it's like, dude, no, you're not supposed to tell anybody. Everyone is like, oh yeah, I told my mom, I told my sister, but they couldn't tell anybody. And then it was like, uh, he's like, oh yeah, I started telling. I'm gonna be in Star Wars. If he was not great at keeping a secret and, and he he left his his for the last movie he left his script in his hotel room and the maid the housekeeping um picked it up and i, I forgot how he <laughs> so said, that one maid knew the plot and she was just like yeah this is trash i'm just gonna put this right on it <laughs> <laughs> I'll put this right on in here. So I'm guessing you didn't like the last Star Wars. No, I didn't like the last one. Um, <laughs> hey, relax. Uh, but I was gonna say the the actor who was the person in the suit for Darth Vader, because James Earl Jones is just the voice. It was a separate actor who actually also played um, was uh, in the actual suit. And so one day they were interviewing him after, because after the first movie came out, he you know it was a huge hit. So uh, they were interviewing him and they were, you know, just chatting it up, talking about the movie, whatever. And they're like, what predictions do you have for like the sequel? And mind you, this is before Empire Strikes Back came out. And the big reveal in that movie is that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. So they were what asking spoilers. him. Spoilers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So they were asking him like, what do you think, what would you like to see in the next movie? And according to him, it was just a predict, like it was just a guess where he was like, well, I think it'd be really cool if Darth Vader ended up being Luke Skywalker's father, if he was Anakin Skywalker. And because I watched a documentary about him. And so apparently, according, he said that then the studio called him in and he was almost fired of Star Wars because they were like, Who'd you tell? Did you read the script ahead? And he was like, no, I didn't read the script. I didn't even know Isn't that was the a thing. Same thing with like Tom Holland. Wasn't he almost like always spilling the beans? Like there's YouTube videos where they're like, um, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, babysitting Tom Holland. At first, I think it started like that. <clears throat> and then he started like playing into it. Yeah, I think it then became like a marketing tool for them to be like, hey, Tom, maybe say a few things here and there. Yeah, like, or they or they would like give him the um, like the poster of the movie. Like there was one video that was clearly fake. I'm like, it, this is your acting chops could use a little work, Tom. But, <laughs> I mean, he, he's a good actor, but- I, Actors the, on actors, Jonathan <laughs> Jonathan Key is talking to Tom Holland. 
going for the scenario, he, in this scenario he, he didn't fool me where um he was on live like instagram live and he had a box and um he was pulling out the poster and on the back of the poster it said do not share but the camera was um front facing so everything that you do in a front facing camera is backwards but the paper said you could clearly read it it said do not share so that meant the paper was like you know the the wording was backwards um and yeah so it, it was it was it was clearly staged um i mean but, they do do that for advertising and stuff like oh here's like this little sneak peek and like mm, so is that real or is that just something you're trying to screw us with screw with our heads exactly I have I have another one, another fact. This is like this is not this is not mind blowing at all. But I thought it was kind of cool when I heard it. Um the Castaway, the movie with Tom Hanks, um, was actually filmed on a stage. It was not filmed like on an actual island. It was filmed on a stage. They had to put what movie again? Huh? What movie again? Castaway. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that I'm surprised by. Yeah. Yeah, I learned that when I was at uh, when I was in LA on um, a Sony. We took a Sony picture, a Sony studio tour, um, and we got to go on the set of Jeopardy as well. Interesting. <laughs> I think Castaway is the is the world's biggest uh, for me anyway. I consider it the biggest blunder in movie um, in movie marketing I've ever seen. How so? What did they do to market it? Because when they marketed the movie, uh, you know the, the you know the big plot of Castaway, where it's like uh, Tom Hanks is on this plane, it crashes, and then he's on this island. Right. And so the big uh, like uh, thing of the movie is like, how is he going to survive? Will he even get off the island? You know, whatever. When they showed the first trailer for this movie, you know, and this is back when they're before YouTube, so all the trailers were on. Uh, you know, you only way to see him was in a movie theater. Yeah. In the trailer, you see him get off the island. Like, they show him on the island and all those antics. And then they show a scene where he's on the plane after he's left the island. And they're like, oh, we buried somebody. He's like, who did you? Like, we uh, had a coffin in the ground. Well, what'd you put in it? Like, it shows all of this. All This shows the whole movie from start to finish. And I was like, okay, well, if anyone's watching this movie, there's no suspense. We know he gets off the island if you've that seen is, the trailer. <laughs> that is no different than movies nowadays. I, I know, but this is before, this is like, you know, th you know that, this is now the internet time where everyone is trying to set, like, but I like to think that Castaway was the beginning of this type of marketing. Because before that, and way before that, marketing for movie trailers was terrible. Like, it was just like, here's a few scenes from the movie. Okay, go watch it. Catwoman. <laughs> also, also, I know movies, sure. basically, I think back, like, in the 70s and stuff, um, they used to be, like, five minutes long. The trailers used to be five minutes long. The trailer for Star Wars is so long. <laughs> no. Well, the movie's insanely long. Yeah, that's true. The movie's the, not even two hours. If you if you watch the trailer for um, The Wiz, which came out in, like, 77, I think, the trailer is literally like five, six minutes long, and it's yep. It, wh why? Why? I assume it's because during that time in the movie theater, like they couldn't, like they they were like, this is the only time you'll probably ever see this trailer, so we got to make sure like you know what this movie is before you leave. 
Yeah, and that's true because on TV they really cut it down. Mm-hmm. Right. And because they probably weren't pumping out movies as often. So they that's they true. needed they needed more time to I film. also stand corrected. Star Wars is exactly two hours and one minute long. Ha <laughs> That's all I have to add to it. But movie trailer, yeah. I I still consider Castaway. I'm like, that's the biggest mystery of the movie, and y'all just spoiled it in your marketing material. I think the only one that's gone like past that for me is um the is uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two, where that shot when he's fighting the rhino with the sewer grate is the ending shot of the movie. Granted, you don't know that until you see the movie, but still. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot with trailers. Um, I can understand why Jonathan doesn't like to watch them. That gives things away. No, it it's still yeah, I mean, it's, it's also like when you're trying to describe something, it's like, well, haven't you seen the trailer? And it's like, no, yeah. I haven't. It's like, oh, then, hmm. It's no different than when, like, at our theater, at the IMAX theater, we had, um, when we had, I want to say, oh, yeah, we had Black Panther. We had the Avengers Infinity War trailer, which was the next movie to come out um, after Black Panther. Or, no, I think, actually, it was another movie down. But, nonetheless, Black Panther was in it. So, in the trailer, Black Panther's in there. Alive and well, you know, he says the iconic scene, get this man a shield. You know, he, he says all that. And in so Black Panther, okay. yeah, well, in Black Panther, they try to do the whole fake out where it's like, is Black Panther dead? Who knows? It's like, if you were in that theater that day, you already know for a fact he's not dead. It doesn't matter if you assume, well, it's a superhero movie, so of course he'll be alive. You're still, you know, a little bit of suspension of belief. Well, it's it's like even before they aired the uh, the Avengers uh, Endgame, they were showing scenes from Tom Holland doing Spider-Man 2 Far Away From Home. Right. And it's like, dude, in the movie, he's dead. So, like, right. maybe hold back some trailers until at least because everybody in that movie who was dead you showed us that they you showed the list of people getting their so like oh okay Tom Holland's alive the people or maybe don't galaxy are gonna be alive it's fine maybe don't, fine. or maybe don't release your movies back to back to back to back to back maybe right basically. I mean or don't send out the list like that I know like there's a big craze about it now but like don't send out a list of the movies you're premiering like wait we can well, wait to know that Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out in 2021. Especially because, like, it's, it's one of those things where uh, I watched a review where they were talking about Birds of Prey. And for me, as a comic book fan and as a fan of, like, superhero movies, I know how, the, how this all goes down. Like, of course, these characters aren't in any real danger because this is going to be a franchise. And so if there's a fake out that they might die or whatever, it's no big deal. There's no need to be concerned. Um, but in this review, they were talking about how the, uh, these reviewers, while they were in the movie theater, there was a lady like a couple rows down from them who, know, like, who uh, after they talked to her, she knows nothing about comic books. She knows nothing about Birds of Prey. Nor This is her first introduction to this. So to her, this is a brand new world. And so it made me think about like, if someone's watching Black Panther for the first time, they know nothing about Black Panther. Or hypothetically, they've never seen a Marvel movie. Like I'm sure a lot, because there's a lot of black, uh, people who saw Black Panther not because they like Marvel, but because an all-black cast was in it. And so they've never seen a Marvel movie except that one. And so for them, 
it could be suspenseful to think, yo, is he dead? Like, it, like what happened? And if you like undercut that by having the trailer for the next movie already out that shows that this character is not only fine, but going to be completely functional for the next film, that kind of takes you out the moment. It takes you out of the suspense of your film. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, we are about wrapped on time. Um, Let me close my blinds. All right, I should probably close mine as well. <laughs> I live across a gas station. Nobody looks into my. It's, get, it's getting late, so you know I, I gotta gotta close the you, close you, the blinds. As we discussed, oh no, we didn't record that. Um, uh, I, I hope you all enjoyed our movie facts, and I guess also commentary on acting and movie marketing yeah. <laughs> and trailers. Oh, uh, well, let me put in that now we have a random topic jar where I've already put some ideas. So if anybody listening has some random topics they would like us to touch on, any movies or anything like that, uh, hit us up at our email, which is what, Jonathan? Behind the Usher Station at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Which is also our Instagram and all our other social media. And I can put it in the jar and maybe your topic will be picked. And I'll even put on your username or your name so we can be like, this topic was suggested by this person. Mm-hmm. And I'll get a little more interaction with the folks who are listening. Um, you can also find us at our personal ones, such as Jerome. Uh, you can find me at Instagram at not Jerome Rett. And you can, you can find me at Jonathan Keys. And me on my Instagram at Loving My OKS Life. And that is our show for today. <laughs> That's about- I love that you guys are pointing, but you're all in different places for me. Because Alex oh. is on the bottom, and when Alex, you're pointing at Jonathan, you're pointing at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, really? I'm the one who's recording yeah. one, so it'll be right for me. Jerome, Alex. That's true. And then- See, Got he's giving you the correct directions for me, too. Oh, really? Jerome, Jonathan. Ah. So, Jerome, you're the only one who's off. <laughs> yep, it's all backwards. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway. Well, all right, y'all. We will see you next time and have a great one. Yep. Be healthy. Be safe. Bye.